Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back, Julie Harris. Yes. It is March the 16th. Indeed. And we are continuing our topic, The Introvert's Guide to Being a Real Estate Rockstar. In fact, even if you are the most introverted person ever, you can be a real estate rock star, and we're here to show you how. And before you get to your yes. first point, and I know we have to make a slightly abbreviated show today, and slightly. we shall, yep. um, I wanted to let all of you know that, as promised, we have a new something for you guys. Um, and we are going to be doing a webinar that's going to happen probably once or twice a week. It's going to be an interview of top producing agents and what they're doing to make money in this market. And all of you are invited. And here's all you have to do. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 855-685-1045. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S to 855-685-1045. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link and you can join, you can register uh, register for this upcoming webinar. And I'm interviewing seven different top producing agents. And if you guys want to know how you not just succeed short-term, but succeed long-term, in some cases decades, and become some of the most successful agents in the nation, um, these are all coaching clients. Please go ahead and text us directly. Uh, and I'm sorry, text directly to Harris. And just text Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 855-685-1045. All right, Julie. Yes. So yesterday, if you missed yesterday's podcast, we started this topic, The Introvert's Guide to Being a Real Estate Rockstar. And we, we laid some groundwork having you realize that there are very successful people, presidents, actors, actresses, etc., who cover all of the bases in terms of extrovert or introvert and what degree of each. So if you missed it, get caught up from yesterday's podcast. And we went over to point number one and two, which I'll, I'm just going to state those and then we'll start today with number three. Number one was have confidence in the person you are. Number two was use scripts that don't sound like scripts. And we had a great discussion about both of those topics. Point number three, this is specific to introverts. Recharge your mental, emotional, and spiritual batteries every day. What makes you tick? Because you see, introverts are rejuvenated by quiet, dedicated time to themselves. This could be a walk, meditating, biking, swimming, just reading for 20 minutes. Refill the cup. I've had introverts that are not good at this, and they'll just disappear on you for like two weeks. Oh, it's like they hit the wall and they have to go refill the cup. And they it's so um, severe because they haven't been keeping an eye on themselves that they just kind of check out. And then like some of these have been coaching clients. You call to talk to them on their coaching call and their voicemail's full. So they're not just checking out of like their lead follow up. They're kind of checking out of everything. And I just want you guys to be monitoring that and refilling the cup daily so that you don't have those experiences where you have a little meltdown. And introverts, you guys know how to hack your own uh, you know, desire to be introverted. You can't not make yourself want to be introverted. You have to give yourself that time to be introverted. And don't feel selfish about it. Don't, you know, you're spreading yourself too thin. Your chances are you're going to become less effective. Uh, it does take more uh, concerted effort as an introvert. And you're listening to one now, so is Julie, 
to be extroverted. And you, by the way, if, to be successful in life, you definitely are going to have to be versatile. But at the end of the day, knowing an extrovert doesn't require as much uh, energy to be obviously themselves or as an extrovert or as an introvert is going to have to be. So with one, you know, Julie and I will go on long walks. We do that every day. We do that to decompress. You know, we do our Sunday podcast, which is kind of fun and irreverent. Um, we all, Julie and I will listen to a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts. We've got these new e-bikes um, that are fun that we go on, you know, mountain bike rides on. Things that are not going to involve talking with anybody else is really the bottom That's line. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yes, indeed. And in fact, point number three was recharge your mental, emotional, and spiritual batteries every day because point number four is act as if you're an extrovert without losing yourself. In other words, become more versatile. Who do you know that has positive and outgoing traits and is well-respected? Begin to blend your natural tendencies with a few other traits that will increase your versatility. This isn't to say that you should be fake. In fact, you might find that you actually have some latent outgoing traits already within you. You just haven't been practicing them. Well, you might be an extrovert amongst all your introverted friends. I am. <laughs> yeah, Julie yeah. was. I mean, that's definitely. So yeah. Especially my music geek friends. You know, everybody thought I was like the biggest extrovert just because I like wore colors. Well, just because they <laughs> yeah. prefer to stay under their staircases, yeah, basically. Exactly. But you know, because you wore that's colors, right. that is true. <laughs> yeah. So research has shown uh, from different professors and uh, psychologists that study this stuff that introverts who act like extroverts by being, for example, more sociable, talkative, energetic, and enthusiastic than they naturally are, they actually see their happiness increase. This is likely because of the positive feedback that they're getting, perhaps for, for some of them, the first time that they've gotten that, uh, but the positive feedback they get from their peers. But it also might be because they're becoming more comfortable in the company of other outgoing types. Right. You know, I remember I've got a friend in California, Laura Lee, who is like, she's an interesting combination because she's pretty detailed and pretty analytical, but she is very much naturally an extrovert. So I, I think one of the reasons we're friends is because we're a good balance to each other. But I always like doing stuff with her because she does all the talking. Like, I don't have to say anything. Totally. You know, Coach Rochelle is kind of like that as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's valuable to have friends who have those traits and start to kind of pick up on some of those without but, losing your soul. But this goes back to the innate human desire to basically belong. You yes, know, this acceptance. Goes, and, and so acceptance, right. So if you see yourself being more versatile with different personality styles, even if you've led your whole life and basically you just you look around you and all your friends have the same personality style as you, just to stay on introverts, all your friends are engineers, you know, accountant types, mm-hmm. all your friends are musicians, they're introverted types. And you're going to find that you have essentially chosen, maybe without knowing it, to uh, you know alienate yourself from all the other different relationships and the the beautiful uh, number of different varieties of human personalities that there are out there. And if you give yourself permission to be okay with, even if you're coming to this epiphany late in life, it's perfectly fine. But now that you have this, just tap into that feeling. And it said you feel less depressed when you mm-hmm. have more versatility. Well, this it's obvious the reason why is because as an introvert, introverts, generally speaking, don't want to be around other people, including even other introverts. So they spe- spend less time around people. And all of us need to spend time around people because it makes us actually feel more connected and more alive. When you look at longevity of life, one of the uh, you know constant themes 
is that people stay attached and have lots of friends and they have a strong group of friends around them. You know, people that are married for a long period of time have a tendency to live longer. People, again, who have a lot of friends have a tendency to live for a long period of time. They are, guess what, less depressed. And so introverts, if you're finding yourself, you know, spending more time by yourself alone or just with other introverts, this is your opportunity to realize not only are you leaving potential business opportunity on the table, but you're also leaving opportunities for you to have a richer, fuller life on the table. That's right. And in business, if you find yourself saying things either out loud or to yourself, like, well, I just didn't hit it off with that prospect. I'm not feeling it. That is an indication that you lack versatility. And it's definitely something to work on because if you only work with these people that are just like you, that might be like 10% of the population and you're just not feeling it with everybody else. That's being lazy. And it's, it's so we can just stay on this because it is yeah. an interesting thing because you and I have thought about this pretty intensely, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And studied this for the book that you're reading, uh, you know, our own book, Harris Rules. Introvert personality uh, types even have a tendency. And again, it's pseudoscience. Just keep all this in mind. But analyticals in particular and drivers in particular um, have a tendency to live in, around each other. And so if you go into – if you're showing houses and you drive into a neighborhood – and this is always kind of – you know, it, the, you guys will all laugh from this. You're showing houses. You drive in a neighborhood and all you see everywhere is plastic kid stuff everywhere, backyards, all these – just children everywhere. There's a really good chance that is not a neighborhood that has very many analyticals or drivers living in it because the disorderly nature of most of those – the way those most of those people live would drive an analytical and a uh, driver person nuts. Why are you laughing? Because it reminds me of a neighborhood that you and I like and have lots of friends in here. But we're always like, can't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Can't do it. It's too... It's just too much all the time. You can't be surrounded by it. It's called Dorado Beach East. And every time we walk through it, we're like, it's too peoply. It's way too peoply. (laughs) That's what we say. And it's beautiful. There's lots of, you know, beautiful ponds. And Zoe likes to take gymnastics over there. But we know people constantly trip across friends constantly. But it's like after we're done with our walk, we're like, oh, God, I need to have a break. (laughs) Too many conversations. And then I was thinking about, I wonder whether, you know, the new neighborhood that's got more hard lines and, and... Modern architecture, totally. the enclave, like that, that's more of kind of a, uh, like analytical a, a driver. analytical driver neighborhood. Right. You can tell by looking at it. But Isn't you can't. You really can. Yeah. And, and like if you think about, for example, let's just say um, uh, a neighborhood that's attracting driver types. Mm-hmm. Driver types, this is also, guys, you can, uh, a, this also becomes age dependent. But it's going to be not, the houses are generally speaking going to be neat, orderly. They're going to be very uh, crisp. traditional. They're yeah. going to be crisp, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to see a lot of expressive anything. <laughs> Um, I mean, I picture, for example, like, you know, modern neighborhood, you're generally yeah. speaking, you guys get the gist of it, right? You could almost, as I described, like a modern house with real, you know, it's white, and it's gray, and it's got real, you know, very little landscaping or adornments, or there's certainly no kid stuff in the yard. Don't you just automatically start feeling the vibe of the person that lives in that house? Yes. And so here's the mistake. Here's how you do use this pseudoscience, definitely not real science just this is more of like it should just be called observing how people are different than you yes you know so let's say that you are along the lines of really liking that modern um clutter-free real crisp looking home that's kind of how you are and maybe how your office is how you dress what you drive and then you have a listing appointment <clears throat> excuse me you have a listing appointment tonight in say dorado beach east and <laughs> there's kid stuff everywhere you you know these are if you remember listing appointments where we would walk in and they were no longer using their dining room because all the kids stuff had taken over pretty much like literally the dining room table was gone because there's barbie houses there and you and i would break out in hives <laughs> right so you can't you know you have to have that versatility and take you know your outlook on that away and conversely too maybe you're somebody that that's how you live and you go into somebody that's more 
uh, clutter-free, and you can't have that reaction like, oh, gosh, this is just too boring. It's too neutral. It's, you know, you have to suspend your judgment and know who you're dealing with, and your appointments are going to go a lot more smoothly than just going in and going, oh, my gosh, I, I just, I'm just not feeling it. And here's the other thing. It's, just get your minds around this. It's not, especially when you're in sales, which you are, well, assuming you're selling anything, it, that's a joke, it, but it's not their job to be versatile to right. you. It's your job to be versatile to them. They are who they are. Right. It's not their job to essentially uh, you know, try to mold themselves and their approach to you. It's the opposite. And the more uh, you accept the fact that you have to become like the world in which you're here to serve, the happier you're going to be and the less you're going to struggle and the less you're going to feel like a freak. I mean, the less you're going to feel like, oh, I don't want to go to that group because I'll be afraid that I'll be in conversations. I, I mean, I've coached some extreme intro, uh, introverts over the years and some of the ways that they've sculpted and designed their lives around uh, avoiding human interaction is sad. Truthfully, it's sad. And they think that they can be successful in real estate. They can, but they're going to have to work a thousand times harder uh, to move past their innate, essentially fear and lack of versatility with dealing with other humans. Yes, that's right. Definitely something to work on. Okay, point number five. If there are for our introverts, in new situations, have a plan. If you're on a tough competitive listing appointment and you haven't been on very many of those, use your pre-qualification script, your pre-listing package, arrive early, be practiced with what you're going to do on your presentation. Here's a secret. Naturally extroverted people tend to be less careful than that. You can launch your sneak attack by simply being better, faster, smarter, more polished and poised. Some of my favorite coaching clients over the years, I call them velvet hammers. You know, because they're really nice and they're sweet and they're kind and you can't imagine saying no to them just because they're a nice person, okay? But they win listing presentations. Why? Because they're more prepared, because they do a better job asking questions. They use things like the Sharpie clothes. They speak, to, they have that versatility where they're giving that person what they need instead of assuming as honestly, I mean, there are extroverts that just pretty much get 80% of their deals from their shining personality and because, you know, I to know an I'm likable. But to an right. extent, yes. And but you just said, but you just said something that's very that hopefully got by nobody, mm-hmm. right? The pre-listing pack, mm-hmm. our pre-listing pack that they get as being coaching clients, yes. that we will not give to you or sell separately. So don't ask. Nope. The pre, which many of you are thinking that you're going to be able to do that, you can't. It's copywritten, okay? So the our pre-listing pack that you have a license to use once you're a coaching client. The thing about the pre-listing pack is it is versatile. By the way, it's designed on purpose. On purpose, it is answering all the questions. That the seller, you know, even questions the seller didn't even think to ask you, the seller is going to have all their questions answered prior to you getting there. So you don't have to worry about being stuck in a corner or being put on your heels with some question that makes you uncomfortable. So that's the thing about having an organized sales approach. We talked this about this in our clubhouse this morning, you yes. know. So many of you guys are finding yourselves in listing appointments and you're winging it. You don't have a pre-listing pack. You didn't pre-qualify the seller. You don't know how to present to the seller. All personality types that you're presenting to or that you're trying to attract to you, dislike an agent who's disorganized and who's obviously winging it. The ones who really hate it are the analyticals and the drivers. They will eat you alive. And they're going to look for reasons to not – you will have an instant reaction of distrust from either those two personality styles unless you basically are willing to be having a professional approach. Now, you might be able to befriend the amiable sort, and maybe they'll just list with you because they like you, um, and maybe even so with the expressive. But, but that's the, still rolling the dice. That's still rolling the dice. you don't necessarily dice. know what, what, how it's going to go and even who the decision maker is, right. especially if you don't use a prequalification script. 
but this is also the exact reason why agents who wing it like that, even if they're, you know, have uh, their act together, they look great, they have a nice personality, but they're winging it. This is why they report back that they have a hard time closing. Right. Okay, because what is the definition of to close? The closing is a logical ending to a great presentation. If you don't have a great presentation, the close will always be awkward. And that's why you find yourself walking out the front door saying, well, I'll follow up with you yep. instead of I'll put a sign in the yard. And then somebody who is trained, one of our coaching clients is going to go in uh, on that listing appointment after you and get the listing away from you because you did, you weren't a professional. Like on the clubhouse this morning, mm-hmm. very nice guy was asking essentially a new agent was trying to put all the pieces together on his own. Yes. And it, it's so honestly, it makes no sense to me. If I wanted to basically learn, if I wanted to drive from here to even the other side of Puerto Rico, right? Yeah. I'm not going to go and wing it. I'm going to turn navigation <laughs> on. Yeah. I'm going to use, you know, some sort of sure. app to get me there. And yet somehow some of you guys think you're going to magically find yourselves in real estate and you're going to be able to, from your zero previous experience in any business or, you know, sales uh, backgrounds, you're going to be able to wing it to the point where you're going to fool sellers or even buyers to a certain extent to want to do business with you. You wonder why so many agents, like basically every agent fails with it. You know, it's, it's a shocking number, 90% or something. Mm-hmm. Within 24 months or less, that's why. It, because they don't have a professional approach. Because they pick off the lowest hanging apples on their leads tree. They get licensed and it turns out they know three people. They do three deals. They never And they spend it after that. They do really dumb stuff like spending it on buying leads. Don't worry, I'm not going to get on mm-hmm. my soapbox. Yeah. And then they, base, they have no profit. Then they spend money. They go into debt to buy more leads and do more dumb stuff. And then within 24 months or less, they're out of the business. Now, why is that? Because they never took a professional approach. They never learned to obviously be versatile with their and learn and uh, to adapt to the other personality styles. That's a big part of it. But ultimately, even if you conceptually get the understanding of uh, being versatile and the importance of that, if you don't have a professional approach, you're not going to make any money. You That's know. It. And I don't understand why agents sometimes they act like they they're entitled to success despite the fact that they've really done nothing other than show up. That's right. I I mean I can I don't understand it either other than that. They don't teach you this stuff in real estate school, and there's no requirement of brokers to, to give you any education or office managers, and they can be surrounded by – I saw – I'll give you a perfect example of this because I can only spend like five minutes a day looking at the, the agent stuff that gets posted. Uh, she meets on the Facebook oh groups. Oh, my gosh. Some people – somebody posted something going sideways on a deal, and there was like all of these opinions giving – I kid you not, giving legal advice, okay? Oh, my gosh. And I was scanning through, and I'm going, there, there's like violation after violation here of you guys giving each other legal advice. And a lot of it was not even sound in our experience, okay? And only a few people said, ask your broker. And other people said, ask an attorney. But, I mean, it, it's mind-blowing how lack of education there is out there. So I think some of it's their fault for being assumptive. To your point, they feel entitled to just win every time. And some of it's not their fault well, because there's just a dearth of, um, you know, real education. Well, since you overturned our podcast, since you overturned that rock, let's just be yeah. really brutally honest with them. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to end up in some brokerage environment where you're surrounded by an office manager or broker that doesn't know how the hell to sell real estate. You're probably going to end up in the, you know, essentially in an office where they're going to tell you to buy leads, where they're going to tell you to join a team, where they're going to tell you to work on your branding or make, go make TikTok videos. Because you're probably going to be under somebody who's only sold real estate since probably 2008 or 2009 because frankly, guys, that is what most of the industry is nowadays. So most people have never been trained on how to do the real work of real estate. And if you get into this business and you find yourself in environments like that, you're going to absolutely find yourself, you'll, the probability of you succeeding 
is almost zero because you have to learn how to be of service to other people. And the way you learn to be of service to other people is you learn the skills that all the other people doing all the other fanciful stuff will never learn to do. Not because they didn't have the potential to learn how to do it, but because they did not have someone telling them to do the right thing. Ultimately, what you guys want, where you're going to be happiest in life is when you're of service to other people. That's when you're happiest. That's when all of us are happiest. That's the reason you want to be more versatile uh, so that you can essentially be of service to more people. But you have not earned the right to be of service to more people until you have the skill sets that those people need to solve their problem, which in your case is buying or selling real estate. Yes. Well, and to your point about our uh, very nice listener, caller, whatever you want to call clubhouse person this morning, you know, the, the great thing is that so many people have the ambition and the desire that if that's you and you have that kind of enthusiasm and you add any level of skill to it, to the point where you can earn while you learn, because every appointment you go on adds to your education, it gets them into action and, and they can get success fairly quickly with that sprinkling of skill set. But you can't just, you know, hang out planning on, you know, just using your sparkling personality every time. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And one of the things that drives me crazy is that, you know, there's brokers and office managers that say, well, you should expect 50% success. That's normal. It's not normal anywhere else in life. So, so cut it I, out here. Can I ask you a yeah. question? I've never asked you this before. Yes. And then I have to get to Facebook. I know. I'm setting it up for yeah, you. So thanks. the question I have for you is someone, I, this isn't arrogance or ego. This is just truth. Okay. There's no way you can listen to what we're saying and not realize that it's the truth. You can't hear what we're saying yeah. and not say that's the obvious truth. Intuitively, every single person listening to us. I think that's right. Okay. Why would they choose then not to take action on what we say? Um, I think two reasons. One is just flat out laziness because they think it's going to be harder than it is. Okay. You mean doing what we ask them to do. Right. And I think the other reason is that for a little while, especially early on in your career, you can have confirmation bias because your first three or four deals were easy because they were friend deals. Assuming they did any, yeah. Right. Assuming that you do any. And some of you, unfortunately, don't have that going. But if you do, it's easy after like your third or fourth friend deal to believe that that's just going to keep coming until one day it doesn't. And then you're like, okay, well, now I have to go out and actually maybe create some business. That's when the learning starts. And that's probably a lot of the time the reason so many agents will gravitate towards the referral-only approach yeah. because that's they think that that's how you're supposed to build your business. And they're mm -hmm. surrounded by other people that have done it the same sure. way. And by the way, that is the first spoke we teach you guys to do in our coaching program. But not the only spoke. It's certainly not the only spoke because it's the least reliable at producing consistent business. Well, that came up this morning too, right? So yep. agents living in fear of, gosh, maybe I'm only having success lately because the market's really hot and it's kind of coming to me and everybody's really all stoked up on real estate. What happens with even the slightest little change? And I can tell you from a lot of coaching calls this week, I am seeing a little bit of cracking. Well, interest market. rates are rising. Interest rates are rising. We're getting a little bit more inventory. We're yep. starting to see not every house have multiple offers in 22 seconds. So there was a gal, and I know you have to run yep. the bend. There was a gal in the clubhouse this morning. Her Actually, her name was Julie. Mm -hmm. Very nice gal. And she said, I'm worried that my success is only is basically uh, on fragile ground. You know, it's on thin ice because yeah. it's predicated on this hot seller's market. And she, you know, described some of the things about her business. She was a broker, very, very bright gal. And to which my response was, yeah, you're right. Your business is built on thin ice. 
because you're not doing anything proactive to lead generate, which she sort of was not necessarily receptive of what I had to say. And then she came back and said, well, I knock on doors. And I do things like that. Well, that's proactive-ish, mm-hmm. but why aren't you directly contacting the people that have their hands in their air already saying, I want to sell my house? To which she said there wasn't any of that available in her marketplace. And I didn't want to embarrass her, but had she done some homework, I'm sure she would have discovered quickly that there are. She just doesn't want to or doesn't yet know how to go after that business. So if you have that, if you've got that uh, feeling that your business too is built on thin ice, that it's only predicated on a hot seller's market, why don't you trust your intuition? Because you're probably right. And that the only way to make that feeling go away is if you learn how to help more sellers in different situations, not just essentially centers of influence and past clients. Because guys, the, the buyer's market market's not hard. It's the transitioning market that sucks. The transitioning market's what kills you. Um, so when you go from the market that's been to the market that is, that that transition can last years. Uh, I don't predict, and neither does Julie or anybody else we talked to, a big slowdown. But that doesn't mean we're right. There could be a big slowdown. And Who the hell knows? Even if it's not a big slowdown, it's going to feel like something different to these guys that have only lived through a hot seller's market. For sure. I had a call with a Canadian coaching client, and I this will be my last story, yep. um, who said, you know, I feel like there's a shift going on because one out of three new listings isn't selling right away. John, it, it, yes. John Walkinshaw. It, well, it will sell. He's not just a Canadian coaching client. He's one of the top agents yes. in all of Canada. Yes. Yeah, so he, I mean, I, I trust his radar, right? And so we were talking about what you just said, the transitioning market is tough because you can get stuck for months in sellers still having aspirational pricing, buyers getting wind that things aren't selling quite as fast, so they're not coming in quite as high, and yet the seller still wants 25% over a list price. That's where your skills really come in because you have to have different types of conversations than you've had for the past four or five years. And you got to get ready for yes, our coaching. Do. So in the meantime, if you guys want to talk to us about joining our EXP family, feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. And let's have a conversation about EXP. It's absolutely the smart move. We're talking about a possible changing market. Why don't you guys create a financial hedge against a changing market and have a source of income that's not predatory? Dedicated on you selling houses. It's called Revenue Share. If you want to learn more about EXP, please uh, EXP, please text me directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.